us as well uh this is ashley if you haven't been here before this is make it modern uh we basically talk about old shit and what it'd be like in modern times and i'm kelsey i just didn't get an introduction there but yeah yeah my bad it's been like a rough (laughs) you know what honestly it's been like a super busy insane week and i have a bite on my leg that i think is from a spider and i might be dying right now so you know <laughs> this could be our last podcast it's not but this could be a uh, a little a nice love note to everyone as an r.i.p situation <laughs> jesus christ i'm sorry you made me watch titanic i feel like everybody's gonna die now like <laughs> well yeah i did immediately after watching titanic i um watched this i binged this show on netflix called um high seas or altamar Oh, yeah. Um, which is a telenovela, which is, if anyone loves Murder on the Orient Express, 10 for 10 recommend. But, of course, people die on this boat, too, so I'm just on a roll right now. <laughs> yeah, it, like, it, it definitely... I have so many issues with the film Titanic. It's actually disgusting. You know what's but so sad? But you should watch the show, though. I think you're going to like it. I, I probably will like the show. What's so sad is that the Titanic the musical... Is like a oh, hundred and fifty times more accurate than James Cameron's Titanic. I don't know if I want to watch that. I feel no. like I've gotten like Titanic doubt. Here's the thing, I didn't watch it. I didn't find it anywhere. My brother's high school did it when he was in high school, and it is to this day one of my favorite musicals. It's really it's an amazing score. It's really good. So I dragged my parents to see. Floyd Central High School in Southern Indiana's Titanic the Musical. I probably dragged them to every show. And so by the end of it, my brother was like, fuck this. And I think (laughs) I definitely have a DVD recording of them doing it, which is so funny to me. Because I still love it. Like, it's still such a good show. So yeah, if you haven't caught on to what we're doing this week, um, it's Titanic. (laughs) Dun, dun, dun. It's gonna be a time, <laughs> but uh, quick PSA: I'm currently dog sitting, and I love this pup, but she pouts when I don't pay attention to her. <laughs> so if you hear whining, or if I quickly just say "oh shit" and run away, it's because the pup, and I love her so much, but she's just a very needy individual. Again, the whining <laughs> could also be me dying from West Nile virus. So, you know, it could be both. I'm doing great things. <laughs> it's a multiple choice: true, false. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, so this will be a little bit different of an episode, because if people have listened to this podcast before, um, usually Ashley does the research, and I know jack shit about a topic, so she kind of teaches me the topic throughout the whole thing. Um, And it works pretty well for me, because, you know, not great at research. As, As exemplified by our discussion, which Ashley posted on Twitter, of what Hogwarts house I would be... <laughs> it was a good conversation, except for when you got mad at me for not knowing what you would be. So that's here's fine. the thing: I feel like I'm I give off like big Slytherin energy. Like to I mean, m- yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say I just don't feel like Slytherin. I don't know. I felt like Ravenclaw was more accurate. No. 
oh, now's the time you want to eat? Really? Not you. The dog. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, girl, I just had some peanut butter. Like, let me be. No, I love her, but that means she's going to have to poop soon. Come on. (laughs) I love this dog so much. Actually, I really do love this dog because she just curls up and lays with me, whereas my real dog... If I pet her real dog than, hates like, a minute, everything. Like she loves some like she loves my my stepmom a lot. And that's great. But like when I pet her, she's like, "Okay, this is great. Bye." Whereas Molly is like, "I'm going to lay on you for 2 hours, okay? Okay." Right. <laughs> right. Um Adorable. but anyways, back to Big Slytherin energy. I don't know. I just felt like you were a Ravenclaw because I don't know. I never got like necessarily the evil vibe not evil but i don't know i can't see you being like a mastermind i don't know <laughs> that sounded bad you know what i mean like an evil gene oh, it's so strange up. i'm it's going so strange. down a hole <laughs> because like i bet if you ask 90 percent of my friends they'll say gryffindor and i identify a little bit with gryffindor i say i have a slytherin sun and a gryffindor moon see i would never guess gryffindor i feel like weird i would i, I was 100 percent ravenclaw no no, I'm not smart enough to be in Ravenclaw. We both know this. But you're smart about the things you care about. That's true. Like the Titanic. <laughs> yeah, you really go hard with the research about things you care about, whereas like other things you wouldn't be super into it. Yeah, so basically the reason I'm doing the Titanic episode is because I've been obsessed with the Titanic since I was easily eight years old. Um, I bring it up in regular conversation and almost wrote a television pilot on it. I probably still will write it if I can ever get my fucking life together. Um, we were going over our ideas, and when I saw... We we both have a, a list going of things like we should do for the podcast, and we were talking last week about what we could do. I saw Titanic on there, and I was like, oh, Kelsey, should we do that? She's like, fuck yes, I've been waiting for this moment. And I was like, oh my god, okay. It's my time to shine, bitch. <laughs> Yeah, I fucking love aggressive, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) I love this historical event. Um, That's really kind of sick to say, but I just find it fascinating. Like, there are few topics that I could delve into more than, like, treasure hunting of treasures that haven't been found and the Titanic. Like, those are things that I know way too much about. Like, if I'm ever on Jeopardy and those are categories, I'm fucking walking away with millions. Um, <laughs> if anything else is a category, I'm out round one. I don't know how Jeopardy works. Anyways, are you ready to get into this? I mean, I guess. I'm going <laughs> to sneeze first. Bless you. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. I know I sneeze like a Disney princess. I've been no, told I do. This. When I sneeze, it goes a chewy, and so it doesn't sound super great. I sound like an anime character. Anyways, yeah, that's continue. really strange. <laughs> okay, so we're gonna start off with like basic Titanic history, uh, move into kind of what went wrong, some conspiracy theories why, and just some like super interesting fun facts that I know about. Um, so the RMS Titanic, I believe RMS stands for Royal Mail Service, if I'm correct. Um, was a British passenger liner that sank in the North Atlantic Ocean in 1912 after the ship struck an iceberg on the starboard side, um, and it was the maiden voyage from Southampton, England, to New York City. Uh, roughly 200... 200? I'm on crack. 2,224 passengers and crew were aboard, and more than 1,500 died, and it made it um, one of modern history's 
deadliest peacetime commercial marine disasters. That's very, like, specific. Um, because technically the largest boat sinking happened during uh, World War One, So this doesn't count. <laughs> um, the Titanic was under the command of Captain Edward Smith, who also went down with the ship. And basically the whole issue with why Titanic was such a big deal is it had been touted time and time again as this unsinkable ship. Um, and that was because it had built these, like, I don't know how else to put this. Uh, it, it had, like, very sophisticated schematics. Um, yeah, they, like, they basically had built-in, quote-unquote, float situations if yes. it needed. Right. So, essentially, like, very, very glossing over this, would the ship ever be struck by something they had these compartments that were going to fill up with water but contain the water therefore not letting it get to any other part of the ship however this didn't work <laughs> no and it's sad too because we'll get into that but when i watched this when i this was one of those things when i was watching the documentary on it and i watched the movie i couldn't help but just feel sad yeah. Like, I'm an emotional person. I was like, fuck this. Like, I don't want to watch people die. It just sucked. Anyways, continue. No, no, no. Because it, it is really tough to think about. And I, like, I've watched recreations and there's a brilliant one that I'll, we'll put on Twitter. Um, basically, it's like two minutes and how the Titanic sank and how, you know, it was found later and kind of what went down in the two hours it took to sink. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically because... These bulkheads in the bottom of the ship were supposed to be watertight. They weren't. Um, And so it actually made the ship sink faster. And one of the theories is that had the ship been, like, had it hit head on to the iceberg, they would have had at least a better chance of survival. Not so much because the ship wouldn't sink, because it still would, but... Because I believe I'm gonna get this wrong. It's either the California or the Carpathia. California. Uh, California. Thank you so much. So the California was another ocean liner that was within distance of the Titanic. However, they didn't see the Morse code saying SOS. They were unable to reach them by radio and they didn't see the like flying. Uh, distress signals, I guess, is a good way to put them. And I'll get more into why they didn't see any of that later. Um, so it, it, they were able to get the Carpathia to the sink, the side of the sinking. The Carpathia is another ship, uh, just under two hours after the Titanic sank. So basically, the Carpathia was the one who got anybody who was aboard one of the lifeboats. The lifeboats were also a huge point of contention as to why this voyage was so fatal so fucking stupid sorry I'm yeah no 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 it makes me so mad incredibly stupid um do you want to explain it <laughs> basically they what was going on at the time i can't even remember what the commission was but they would reward you for if you had a life proof or the less lifeboats you needed and the more accurate your ship would be if it ever got struck or something like that they would reward you and kind of get you out of things quicker so they didn't want to have the, the extra lifeboats on there because they, they wanted you to be able to manufacture better boats. 
So because of that, and this ship was quote-unquote unsinkable, this didn't have as many lifeboats as it needed. Um, right. Because it was supposed to be, but oh god, it's so stupid. <laughs> Just yeah, no, no, no. It, it <laughs> essentially was like very much for aesthetic purposes, which is super, super dumb. They were like, they're going to ruin, you know, this sick, the ship is unsinkable. How could we ever, you know, like, we don't need all of the lifeboats. We just need the minimum. So there were mm-hmm. 16 lifeboats plus four collapsible lifeboats, which actually proved to be very tough to steer in, like, the middle of the night in the middle of the fucking ocean. Mm-hmm. And all in all, it could only accommodate 1,178 people. And if you remember... I said there were 2,224 people on board. What, like, breaks my heart is that... So I watched this documentary on the Smithsonian Channel, mm-hmm. and people were clinging to the top because it, it, it split in half. Yes. It didn't just sink on its own. But people were so convinced and bought into the idea that this boat was unsinkable that they truly thought they were going to be fine and didn't want to get onto the lifeboat. Yep. Like, can you imagine being that PR company or whoever, like, the boat, it's, the boat company itself saying... This boat's unsinkable. And because you said that, people decided to stay on the fucking boat that was sinking. Yeah. Like, as a PR person, this is a disaster. And this would have been so cool to talk about, I think, in one of my PR classes because we did a lot of case studies. But obviously, I wasn't super invested in the Titanic story, kind of like Kelsey was. So I never thought about it. But this is something that I think you it's the ultimate disaster or nightmare for a PR person. Oh, 100%. And the fact that people truly thought that they were going to be okay because this boat was unsinkable, just breaks my heart. And that's why they didn't get onto the ship. And I was trying to think, what would I have done if I was on this ship? And I feel like I would have, might have been one of those gullible people that was like, this isn't supposed to sink. We're going to be fine. But I'm also like in a fight or flight situation. I run as fast away as I can. So I'm not really sure. But <laughs> just... Well, no, it is. It is really. It's such a tragic and like such an unfathomable situation that you think about. And I do believe I just got the numbers wrong. There were probably over 3,000 people on board. Um, I'm switching off between, like, the History Channel, the Smithsonian, so, like, all of it's a little wackadoodle. Um, But the third-class passengers had a 0% chance, and you were 44% more likely to survive if you were a first-class passenger, Um, Mm. which meant that you were on the upper decks of the boat you could get to the lifeboats easier. The part that, like, pissed me off the most is um, in an evacuation situation like that, especially in 1912, the women and children were put as priority. And so the first people out on the lifeboats were women and children, and that's why most of the survivors are women and children. But there would be men dressing up in dresses to get onto these lifeboats. Which like fuck off. I like, think what they what they they did too is like in the first no one wanted to get on these lifeboats. Mm. There was uh, the first two lifeboats that went. Men had to get on there because it was seen as an act of heroism in order for women to believe that they would be safe. They didn't want to go by themselves. Yeah. So at first men were on there, and I was thinking about that when they, the guy was talking about how women needed an act of heroism to be okay. And I was like, you know, if I was on that situation, I thinking about it i would probably push them and be like nope i'm on it on here that's me i'm a woman excuse me like i don't think i would wait for a man to get in to feel okay i would be off that boat i don't right nope literally same completely the same i would i would not wait or do anything like that but there were so that pretty much covers the history of the sinking it took two hours to sink 
that all of the lifeboats like came into New York. It was awful, huge tragedy. As you said, the White Star Line had some fucking explaining to do. No shit. Um, but there. Are- Let's go back to like the California. I think that part is so fascinating because before I had watched the documentary, I didn't know that there was another ship nearby. Yes. So essentially, and this is the theory that I believe anyways, as to why the Titanic was never set, uh, saved by the Californian, why it sunk so quickly, all of these things. And it's essentially caused by a mirage. It's, it's mm-hmm. caused by something called thermal inversion. Um, so when the Titanic was sailing from Gulfstream waters into the frigid Labrador current, kind of up by Newfoundland, um, where the air column was cooling from the bottom up, creating a thermal inversion, which are layers of cold air below layers of warm air. And essentially what that does is create exactly what you think, like a mirage that seems like a mirror. So, yeah, it's like when you're in the desert and you see like those sun rays kind of happening and it distorts your vision, but this is the opposite with the cold air. (laughs) Right. So objects can appear higher and therefore nearer than they actually are before a false horizon. And on the other side of the false horizon, they can appear like half as large and even farther away. So basically what scientists believe happened Um, and it does make sense if you think about it, is that the iceberg was unable to be seen by the crewmen because they didn't have, like, radars and shit back then. They didn't even have binoculars at that time, which at the time didn't seem to be super necessary. Oh, no, there's a reason they don't. to be looking at, rather than, you know, investigating with the binoculars something far away, they wanted them to see what's coming. (laughs) No, there was actually a reason they didn't have binoculars, Mm -hmm. Um, which is that a crewman who got fired stole them. Oh, I thought that I saw that it, like, just hadn't gotten there in time. Nope. That's fucked up. Um, it, well, and maybe, like, if they had an order of binoculars that didn't get there in time, that's fine. But, like, truly the myth is that, like, this guy was so pissed off that he got fired, which, like, lucky you, bro, that he <laughs> deadass just stole some binoculars from, I guess, the perch or something. And the key that was used to open the cabinet to steal the binoculars eventually was sold in auction for, like, $150,000. Why would anybody want that? Yeah. So, I was like, that's a cursed item that I'm gonna hard pass on. So, yeah, the Californian's radio operator did warn the Titanic of ice, but because there was no moon, there was no wind, everything was super calm, they were unable to see the iceberg because it was beyond the, um superior mirage the thermal inversion line i feel like this is the part where in the the documentary i was like this is it this is the part because so the the guy that was in charge of receiving the cables or whatever was overworked with the amount of telegrams or whatever he had to get out for the passengers Mm -hmm. so because of like the casual way that the californian guy had radiated over hey man just want to let you know there's an iceberg he only listened to the first hey man and granted it was not like that but it was very informal he said, basically, shut up. I have a lot to do. You're not helping me. And just ignored it and did not listen to any of the Californians. And the Californians radio guy was done with the ship, so he left. So no one was receiving the dish. Mm. Mm. Makes me so bad. <laughs> I know. Well, that's the thing is, like, this entire situation is just a cataclysm of errors. Mm-hmm. And, like, truly, it's, like, the perfect storm 
for the worst thing in the world to happen. Ironically, had there been waves that night, had there been any sort of wind or current, they probably would have been able to see the iceberg. Because Mm -hmm. they didn't see it until it was only a mile away, which was far too close for them to veer off course, which is why they tried to turn left to avoid it. But of course, you see a tip of an iceberg, you don't see what's underneath. And that's like what really fucked him over because when it hit the side, it was only a one inch thick of steel. So it wasn't even anything really like that was going to burst, whatever it touched. It wasn't thick, like if it had gone head on. No, again, had it been head on, like there a lot of stuff could have happened better than what actually went down. So essentially, science says that even though the Californian was quite close, they couldn't see the Morse lamp. They couldn't see the like distress rockets because they thought it was such a smaller ship. Because you think about it, if you're in a mirage, this ship is actually hidden basically. So all they could see were, like, the top smokestacks. And they're like, well, obviously that's not the Titanic. Like, we would see the Titanic. It's crazy to me that the the captain so fully believed it wasn't the Titanic that he, I mean, the rest of his life he'd be haunted by it. But he was like, nope, it's not them. We're fine. And just basically no one could talk him out of it. I can't imagine being that stuck into resolve something that you wouldn't even try to investigate that more. Well, I think it's hindsight 2020 is, like, Mm -hmm. You think you're like, oh, maybe they're just running tests. Like, it seems like a small little cargo ship. Like, I mean, from that distance, it would have appeared to be nothing more than, like, shipping containers. The California wasn't the mystery ship that they talk about at at some point. Because they said the California captain always denied it. Do you... Was there a theory on that at all? Because that's the part that confused me in the... In the documentary, I was like, wait, so they weren't the mystery ship? There was another one there, possibly? Well, and see, this is the part where I think the Californian's captain saving his ass. <laughs> Pretty much. See, and I wanted—I didn't want to judge, but I also was like, I feel like you're full no, of bullshit No, I right don't, now, sir. I don't think there's a mystery ship, because here's why. This stuff back then was so incredibly, um, like, charted. Mm-hmm. Like, no ship left without a log without a passenger's list without you know a schedule of where they were going to be how many knots it would take to get there the entire thing planned out like to the t it was like a modern day you know computer itinerary it was very advanced and so for them to say yes there was this third mystery ship in the kind of like same area as everybody that probably could have saved people i'm like no there fucking wasn't Because it wouldn't be a mystery. You know, we have all of those logs. You know, Mm -hmm. White Star Line didn't sink, just the Titanic did. So that, to me, is kind of a bullshit theory. Whereas, like, the thermal inversion mirage makes a shit ton of sense to me. Um, I think so, too, because they even talk about the difference in, like, temperature. Yeah. Passengers, like, the three passengers that they still have. I didn't realize how thorough of an investigation they did after Mm-hmm. Um, I know the U.S. did one, but England wasn't satisfied, so they asked them over 50,000 questions. Yeah. <laughs> which, I was like, shit, imagine surviving something and then immediately being interrogated right when you get home. Like, thanks for surviving, answer some questions. <laughs> well, yeah, because it was, like, the biggest, it, it truly was, like, the mystery of the centuries. How did this mm-hmm. unsinkable ship sink? And, you know, it isn't until now when we have all this technology that we can be like, well, fuck, yeah, it, of course it sank. 
Like, Mm -hmm. we're not shocked literally at all. (laughs) It just, uh, it bothered me so much when they were talking about the bodies that they would just, you know, even in the end of the Titanic movie, when they're, they're trying to find any survivors and they talk about, like, the woman who's clutching her baby, mm-hmm. you know, and she's frozen to death because they say, like, it was so cold and it was the biggest number of um, icebergs that they had. It was a substantially big number from the year before because, like you said, they kept track of everything. Right. So this was truly a freak accident. But um, I can't even imagine being the people rescuing these people and just seeing the amount of dead bodies everywhere. Oh, my God, I can't. I can't. <laughs> yeah, no, it, I mean, again, it's horrific. Like, it is truly a horrific event. And what's so strange is you get into some of the conspiracy theories. And, like, I love conspiracy theories more than the next person. But the Titanic ones, there's only one to me that I'm like, ooh, that is spicy. Like, ooh. Yeah. Tell me, tell me, tell me. Okay, well, because I'm (laughs) going to go through all of them from history.com. Okay. Um... That is spicy. I love that. That should be your new tagline. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I'm like, I don't know how this works. But they're they're all kind of debunked. But there's just one that I'm like, I don't know about this. Um, so the first one is that J.P. Morgan planned the disaster to kill his rivals. Uh, be- oh, yeah, because J.J. Astor did it, right? Well, Jacob Astor was on board. Um, Jacob Astor, er, ugh, Jacob Astor, Isidore Strauss, and Benjamin Guggenheim, who were all huge in banking, uh, were on board. They're all millionaires. Uh, and J.P. Morgan was supposed to be on board. And then he basically called in sick and was like, sorry, guys, not happening. I'll catch the next one. So there were this, it was a little hinted of like, wait, like, did he just want to kill off all of his rivals? Damn. Um, but it, obviously it doesn't offer any explanation on to, like, how he made the ship hit an iceberg and kill over 1,500 people. Like, let alone yeah, the three Yeah, he a pretty shitty person. Well, not only that, it's like, <laughs> like we said, it's a 44% chance that you're going to survive if you're in first class. All three of these dudes are in first class. Like, how could he so clearly make sure that those three were going to die? And then, like, the also theories that like maybe he planned on murdering them and then having them sink with the boat kind of thing so like ha 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 (laughs) they're just dead with everyone else um yikes yeah exactly so it essentially it was never really explained everyone was kind of like this is strange you know there there was another theory that he wanted to kill them because they opposed the creation of the federal reserve even though Astor and Guggenheim didn't really appear to take a position on it, and Strauss actually supported it alongside J.P. Morgan. So this one is kind of like, oh, like, I'd more so believe somebody being like, yeah, J.P. Morgan had a psychic, like, dream the night before and was like, I'm not getting on. Like, that would be more plausible to me than, hey, let's sink this entire fucking boat so that um, these three dudes can, like, maybe die. I also just think, Guggenheim, if he's the right one that I think, he was offered a spot in a lifeboat and he was dressed in his like best and he was ready to, in like a tuxedo and he was ready to just die like a gentleman. Yeah. And offered his spot to a woman. I just, wow. <laughs> if that's the kind of guy that he wanted to kill, what a douchebag. <laughs> right. Like, I just, it just makes zero sense. Again, like, I could kind of believe somebody being like, hey, JP Morgan, don't get on this fucking boat because I had like a vision about it. 
but I can't believe anything else. Um, the second one is the one that I am, like, most intrigued by. Um, because it does seem a little plausible. So, it is basically the theory that the Titanic never sank, and what was actually sunk was the RMS Olympic. What? So, yep. So, they're both White Star Line ships, the Titanic and the Olympic, and it basically posits that somebody switched the Titanic and was like, they just put the name on the Olympic, um, because the Olympic had been having a lot of trouble kept getting damaged. It was damaged sailing from Southampton to England in 1911 and had returned to the shipping yard in Belfast for repairs. Um, It was a very similar size to the Titanic. There have been pictures that have kind of like said like, hey, here are these windows that are on the Titanic, but they're not on the Olympic and vice versa. So, you know, you start to question like, oh, were the names switched? And the whole idea was if they could sink the Olympic, a ship that was already in disrepair, they could claim insurance on it. Wow. So, but then they could claim more insurance if it was the Titanic. Fuck. So, they, you know, the theory is that they purposefully just ditched this damaged ship, renamed it, whatnot, and the Titanic got renamed to the Olympic... Um, just to reap the insurance money. Um, but obviously, like, there are some plot holes. Um, I think this is the one that I'm like, yes, I could see this being a plausibility. Because especially because there are, there are, like, whole posts on kind of the differences between the ships that you see kind of when it's in port versus when it's out to sea and there are quite a few differences but the biggest hole in this theory is that the titanic's insurance was not actually enough to cover the olympics loss um so to this like conspiracy theorists it's like quite literally this wouldn't work on financial merits alone but that being said to me i'm like well it doesn't have to equal the entire loss of the olympic like you know it you still get a shit ton of insurance money from this ship sinking. So it's, that's the one to me that like makes me scrunch my nose a little bit. That's the spicy one for me. That's so fucked up. And it fucked. I hate all of these. Cause like, if that's the case, like it's terrible. Yeah. God. Uh, the third one is a mummy's curse doomed the Titanic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I don't really even have to read this one. It basically was like, there's an unlucky mummy that, you know, was on the ship and whatnot, and somebody told a tale, and it was like, oh my god, everybody get off the ship. Um, but the truth is that the so-called unlucky mummy is still at the British Museum. No mummy was ever loaded onto the ship, and it was an iceberg, not a curse that sank the Titanic. Um, and those are the ones that I think are just the most interesting. Um, but one of the things that I have been stuck on for so many years was actually this book called Futility that was published 14 years before the Titanic set sail. This isn't a conspiracy theory. This is just fucking fascinating. Mm -hmm. Um, So the book's plot involved the world's largest luxury liner called Titan sinking in the North Atlantic after colliding with an iceberg. Um, Morgan Robertson is the author and he was a maritime expert and he 
disavowed any psychic abilities or like spiritual inspiration for writing the novel. He just claimed that he was like super educated on shipbuilding trends and knew that like the kind of barriers that they put up in the bottom of the ship weren't exactly gonna start being good. Like there were plans before the Titanic was even built that said, hey, here's how we can fix a ship that is sinking. Why don't we put in these barriers? And he had seen the plans. So he kind of knew like the flaws of it all. But there are like super uncanny and very specific similarities between this. Um, They included the virtually like identical names of the ship. The fact that they're both deemed practically unsinkable by their makers. And they both suffered fatal impacts on the starboard side 400 nautical miles from Newfoundland on an April night. Holy fuck. Right? This is what originally got me into the Titanic, because I read this in, like, a fun fact book when I was a kid, and I was like- This is my conception shit. Right? Like, it's insane to me. And it, like, it gives me chills to this day, and, like, you know how much I love paranormal stuff? Like, this is something that's stuck with me for over 20 years. So- I don't like it. I just yeah. goosebumps. I'm not a fan. Mm-mm. It's nope. insane. <laughs> so that's pretty much all I have when it comes to, like, and this is, believe me, the most glossed over I could possibly be about this subject. <laughs> but that was fascinating. Yeah. I didn't, so I never, I didn't look into any of these theories. I didn't know any of them existed, but that last one just really has me shook. I can't believe that. Isn't it? Yeah. It's a good one to end on before we get into the absolute travesty that is James Cameron's Titanic, um, which... I made Ashley watch because A, she's never seen it and I thought that was really funny, but also B, it is just the fucking worst. Like, I, um... it's so, and it's also historically, <laughs> like, unbelievably inaccurate. <laughs> yeah, I have avoided it for 24 years of life and um, I wish I still could have because that sucked. Um, the only person I liked was Kathy Bates' character, Molly Brown, who in real life was an actual badass. But, yeah, um, she really exists. That one was true. That was... Billy Zane sucked. Uh, I just... I hated it. Like, I wish I could be one of those people that loved it, because I have some friends who are absolutely in love with it, and they... But, no, I do know now why people say, draw me like one of your French girls. So, I guess... Some, oh, my some God, I guess you... culture lines <gasps> came to... <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't know that. You wouldn't have known. Yeah. It's just, it, I think it's one of those that, like, if you see it when you're a kid, it's, like, the most intense love story. And it's one of those things that, like, we've talked about before in watching films we loved as kids, as adults, and you're like, wait, you've known her for 15 minutes. You're mm-hmm. ready to die for this bitch. This, this makes girl was already zero unstable. Sense. She was about to jump off the fucking boat. <laughs> it makes zero sense. I, the only thing that I had ever had to do with Hennick is my mom got me this CD and it was all different versions of My Heart Will Go On and it was kind of like the soundtrack, but like a classical version. And I would listen to it every night before I'd go to bed when I was little. Mm-hmm. Listening to the fa- soundtrack with this movie, I was like, I don't want this to be the soundtrack. I was like, I mean, like, My Heart Will Go On deserves better. <laughs> what a fucking banger of a song now. Like, <laughs> absolutely fucking didn't... banger. The, the part that did hurt my heart, obviously, was when they're looking for her and she has to, like, let him go. Um, but then also, the old couple is it is it, it, it the guy, the, the couple from, um, he was the co-founder of Macy's, the Strauss couple. Oh, I think that's the, the Strauss. The old couple that died together. Is that was and fucking, Ida Strauss, yeah. Yeah, that was sad. I was like, this is depressing. 
Um, that hit me more than Jack and Rose's story, to be honest. <laughs> Which uh, they did, I believe, stay on the boat together, but I don't think it happened, obviously, the way that they showed it. But Yeah, I think they said they sat on, like, the deck together. They yeah. just were like, we're done. But they did. I did also see somewhere that it was the only thing that comforted the family was that their little grandson was supposed to be on there with them, and he had gotten sick, so he stayed behind. Yeah. Which, like... And I couldn't even imagine. There's just... There's a ton of shit in the film that they it's obviously over dramatized completely jack and rose are never real sorry to disappoint anybody um but i i also have a huge issue with like the door is big enough for two people and and (laughs) i think he says he's from like chippewa falls wisconsin you best bet that motherfucker's been in some cold water okay i've been water skiing in may in wisconsin that shit is fucking freezing <laughs> we would definitely like fare pretty fucking well like they i get did it. say that it, like it felt like a thousand needles were being just, like stabbed into your skin and you only probably had 10 to 15 minutes to survive so i feel like i that's... mean like but still <laughs> bitches from wisconsin get him on the goddamn Kelsey. door <laughs> Get him on the door, is all I'm saying. Okay, there the door was room for two. The water one, you've lost me. I don't really think he could have survived. I don't. He could if he was on the door. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I have large I feel feelings like the about movie that just, door. It didn't feel like it did the tragic event justice. You no. know, thinking about it in modern times, if someone made a movie about that Malaysian Airlines plane going missing, I don't think I would have wanted to watch it because obviously that happened during our lifetime. Right. You know? I don't think I need to get that sad about it. Um, but even not even knowing really much about the Titanic story, I had watched the documentary and then I watched the movie and I was like, I don't like this. I no. Don't. <laughs> All the documentaries, every documentary about the Titanic ever made is really good. Like, because they've put in so much time and effort. And, like, even James Cameron, I do believe, directed one that, where they went on, like, a deep sea expedition and, like, actually saw the Titanic. And it's really good. Yeah, the- I would 10 for 10 recommend anyone to watch the Titanic's Final Mystery. Yeah. It was from the Smithsonian Channel. It was so good. And um, I loved it. It was depressing as fuck, but it was a really good one. Well, and I think that's, like, making this modern, it's so interesting because we don't have many of these events anymore. Like, obviously, you and I lived through 9-11, which Mm -hmm. is, to me, like, the most similar, striking, like, changed history event because after this like maritime law went way up like there are so many different um organizations and rules and manuals that have to be followed because of this event Mm -hmm. and i think our only comparison is 9-11 because like i mean i don't know about you i definitely actually remember a time when airport security was not bad so much easier yeah it's like you walked through a metal detector and you were done Um, so it's strange to think that, like, you know, it's great in a sense that people like my niece and my nephew have never gone through something like that, Mm -hmm. but it is so weird to think that, like, this event was not only dramatized, but, like, also just, like, really romanticized in the film. Yeah, I wouldn't romanticize it at all. I mean, the elderly couple, sure, but... Just uh, the one scene that did just like hurt my heart was obviously when all the people that were still inside and hadn't made it out onto the deck. Yeah. Um, and the water is just rushing in. Like, that's terrible. I actually wanted to kind of start crying during that. I was like, this is absolutely fucked. No, because, um, and that's really happened. Like, the third class passengers, they were second class citizens. 
Yeah, well, then shutting off the people that were down working at the bottom because that was protocol. There were still people down there dying, but they were just they shut them off because that was what protocol was in order to like give them a more of a chance to survive. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I couldn't. I know. Have, have there been any movies made about 9-11? They had one for the airplanes, right? For the people that survived that. There's, or not survived that, no, sorry, that were on it. there's been quite a few. Um, and, like, the documentary, I think you were actually with me. I was. That was a big moment in our friendship. Yeah, it was. Because uh, I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast before. Um, the documentary that was made about 9-11, like... Um, it's the main one. Basically, they were the filmmakers who were following firefighters around. They ha- they're they the ones who have the footage of the plane flying over. And I had never watched it um, because the main firefighter that they follow is Joseph Pfeiffer, and he's my father's cousin. Um, and obviously the footage is super tough because he and his brother both walk into one of the towers and only one of them walks out. And I never, ever wanted to see that. And so... I don't think he had... Get, the professor didn't even give us, like, a heads up we were watching it. It wasn't on the syllabus. He said we were going to talk about it, but I didn't. I don't think we were going to... We knew we were going to watch it. I think he... I think he mentioned it, like, the week before. So I kind of had a decision to say, like, do I really want to do this? Because even though, like, I... Because you talked about it in class, too, right? right? Like, you told him, like, that's actually my my dad's cousin. Yeah, well, because it's not like I'm that close to that side of my family. Like, I'm not, you know, being dramatic and being like, oh, my God, these are people I see all the time. But it is, like, I know the end of the story very well, you know? And what's... How would you have felt if they had tried to romanticize that story? I would have been, honestly, like, it would make me sick. Yeah. Like, and I think that's what this event, that's why I don't like the film, like, truly. And I love every documentary because I feel like every documentary is super unbiased. They're very, very clear in what the objective is. And the objective is scientific purposes. And I can't stand the romance of Titanic. Like, truly, I'm like, you've taken this horrific event and there were still survivors of the actual event when this, um aired like when it came out in theaters because i think the final survivor died in like 2006 or 2009 um Mm -hmm. so i'm like you set this horrific historical event to the tune of celine dion made people have sex in a car and we're just supposed to be cool with that so yeah i think it would be very hard for me to watch a romanticized version of members of my family dying at 9-11 like, that would be really yeah. tough. I'm like, that just seems counterintuitive in a lot of ways. But I also understand from a screenwriting point of view, they had to give us someone to care about. Mm-hmm. Like, that I got too. So it's like, I just, it's it tears me either way, you know? <laughs> it's, I, I do agree that I think Kate Winslet did a great job yeah. in the movie. Like, nothing on their character. Like, not the actors themselves. I think it, they did a great job. Um, but it... And I feel like one of my really good friends is going to hate me for saying this. Because she loves Jack and Rose. But I just felt like I... It was such a sellout thing, I feel like, just to have... I don't know. I don't... I didn't like that it was romanticized. I much enjoyed... I'd rather watch the documentaries because it was so much more, you know, fact versus fiction. Um mm-hmm. 
having some real life characters in there like jj astor and the the strauss couple like that felt real to me kathy bates's character molly brown i also liked i and it was kind of you know it was kind of cool to see them interact with the fictional characters but i much would have rather followed them you know the real people right um because i'm sure if you google titanic the question is that will come up first is are jack and rose real you know not who survived i just i don't i don't know yeah and i think that's why i liked the musical more is like I said at the beginning of the podcast, I'm like, it's strangely historically accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with the exception of maybe one character, everyone in the musical is real. Um, and there isn't like some overarching love story. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just I think it's such an interesting event. I am still as fascinated by it, you know, now as I was when I was six years old so yeah it's something that i don't think anyone will ever kind of forget about it's one of those things it's very similar to 9-11 where it just came out of nowhere you know yeah (laughs) and when those buildings were built it was never thought of being as a target it was thought of being as an archaeological or a a a wonder sort of situation yeah an architectural wonder yeah yeah Yeah, 100 percent i'm curious to see if they will ever try and make a movie about the malaysian airline that disappeared yeah. Um, because I feel like that's much more recent than 9-11 for some, like, other people that weren't alive during 9-11 like we were. But mm-hmm. it's, God, I swear to God, if they romanticize it. I, I will say the 9-11 movie they made about the, the passenger's final calls, yeah. the one that where he called his wife, I was like, that fucked me up. I was like, no, oh, God, and it, okay. It, it, it and that happened. You. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but those like, those things, those con- some of those conversations actually happened. I'm not, I can't say all of them did, but. No, but a lot um, of them. Yeah. Yeah fuck so okay yeah. so I, I don't know i don't really have anything else to say i feel like we've shit on jack and rose enough uh so. right no exactly like we, this was definitely one of those episodes that we wanted to be largely history not as much about the modern day applications um i don't know i just it's think more it's more thing about us reacting to the movie i think is as a modern day kind of critique yeah yeah <laughs> jesus christ there was room on that door um is all i'm saying it's <laughs> all i'm getting at there's room for fucking two people bitch Move there was your this youtube video that popped up over. and it was like facts that show that jack could have lived and i was like the fact that someone made this video is just amazing <laughs> it's because it's genuinely like banana pancakes how it happens yeah Anyways, there was room on the door get off my high horse I'm done. Um, I'm out. With that, we're going to try and end on a more chipper note yes. about um, a, little, a little podcast that we think you guys should check out. She's been on this show before. She's pretty dang cool. Uh, Kelly's podcast, we think you guys should give a listen, is called Boobies and Newbies. And I feel like I could go on into it more, but, you know, we're just going to play the promo so you can convince yourselves to listen to it because it's pretty damn awesome. <laughs> yep. Hey everybody, this is Kelly Reynolds and I'm the host of Boobies and Newbies, the podcast that asks novice romance readers to think outside the dick in a box. Join me for a new episode every Friday as we review romance novels with non-romance readers. From the sweet, loving, fairy tale romances of the Highlands, who cares about up against the wall by the fruit trees, (laughs) like where's the dragon? Inside the belly of a dragon. To the naughty erotic threesomes with Navy Seals. Sex was a 10. I mean, you cannot get any better than this book. Come on, you guys. Really. We read it all. 
check us out at Boobies Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. Listen to previous episodes on any podcast streaming platform. You can also support Boobies and Newbies on Patreon.com for lots of bonus booby content and early episode releases. So yeah, uh... I don't know about you, Kelsey, but I feel like everyone should go binge it immediately. Here's the thing. It's so fucking funny. Like, <laughs> like I'm not even kidding you. I drive so much for work and stuff. Like, I have an hour-long commute to my job. And literally, I've been worried about, like, people looking into my car and seeing me howling. Like, that's <laughs> been an issue that I've had to worry about because of this podcast. I've had to turn it down in the car because I would drive with my windows down and um some you of the things I talk about obviously I can't no one can listen to me podcast. talking about erotica <laughs> I had someone look over and I was like and we're rolling up the windows <laughs> and we're out of here <laughs> so yes if you're listening to it maybe try and be a little bit sneakier than I am if yeah you, if, unless you don't care what people think then more power to you um but I guess with that, Kelsey, what are we uh, what are we doing next week? Next week is an equally fun episode. We are doing... I say that thinking this is a fun episode. I feel like this was a really dark episode, <laughs> but we got there eventually. Um, we're doing Canterbury Tales, specifically A Knight's Tale. The Knight's Tale? Whichever one was in the Canterbury Tales. It was, but it's also fun because there's two other tales that are kind of thrown throughout the movie. Yes. I'm excited. I have been wanting to do that episode. That's my Titanic. That's Yeah, I'm I just going to let it. Ashley talk for like literally an hour and I'll just nod supportively. You um, love the movie too. I do. No, the movie <laughs> so... The Knight's Tale is like, it's one of my all-time favorites because everyone in my life knows that Heath Ledger is like my ride or die first crush. So yeah, I'm more than happy to talk that film. I'm glad you saw him in that role and deciding that rather than seeing him first as the Joker and then deciding, yes, that's my ride or die crush. No, so it was 10 Things good. I Hate About You, then A Night's oh God, Tale, yes. then The Joker, where I was like, this man deserves the world. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yes. Um, if you don't follow us on social media, you should. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at capital M-I-M underscore podcast. On Facebook, we are at Make It Modern Podcast. And, um... I think that's kind of all I've got. So I've been Ashley. I've been Kelsey, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.